long days and pleasant nights to you this week's episode is emily dalton an actor writer director producer and someone who's seen my schmeckle that's right we dated for a little bit but we're not we don't really talk about that too much for except for for five seconds there but that's not really important she has a show out about anxiety and her fear of the dark it is called but the light stays on and it's performing at the pit loft the weekend of the 21st um, that is of July, this, the, the, today, the day this goes out. You can see it at 9.30, tomorrow at 6 p.m., and the 23rd at 8.30 p.m. Um, she's an incredibly gifted performer and a warm, wonderful person. Um, she's, she's very lovely. I'm very fond of her, as I think would be obvious by the fact that we, like, you know, went out for a little bit. But anyway, um... She and I have a really wonderful discussion about anxiety, depression, and how lucky she is to get her medication correct right away, which is, you know, kind of neat. Um, also, we talk about God and religion, and why are we here, and what does that mean, and what are we doing, and it's all very deep, and that's some high school stuff, you know? It's like you, you, the thing you would sit on your friend's bed before you maybe gently make out just like a little bit, and then you never talk about it until you're upset that you re you realize you love them when they go to prom with someone that isn't you. So we have a Patreon, and our Patreon is if you go to patreon.com and you go to the little search bar and you type in Wayward Wordsmiths Co. Well, 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 S. Woos. If you will, um, or you won't. Too bad, I've already said it. So if you go there, you can donate monthly to as low as a dollar. But if you do five dollars or more, you get access to bonus episodes, including a Blank History Month episode about of which I'm incredibly proud, and then a fan cast of Gene Wilder's movies called I Dream of Genie that Miles and I put on, and it is a delight, if I do say so myself. I love Gene and all his movies. Go check those out. And also, if you have just, like, oodles of cash just around, you can go to teespring.com and order a positive and negative t-shirt, and all the proceeds from that go to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, so we don't get any of the money. It's just altruistic, and, you know, you know help a brother out. Also, I I wrote a book. It's called It Had to Be Said. It's on createspace.com. It's also on Amazon. Go to CreateSpace, though, because I get a bigger chunk of the royalties. It covers mental health, romance, and how my brain works, and also some, like, little short stories of fiction that I'm particularly proud of. Let's just get to that fucking interview. I love you very much. Have a good day. Okay. Hi, Emily. Hi. How are you today? <laughs> doing all right. Doing okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm getting used to your voice. You have a very quiet voice, so I have oh, to should crank I, the fucking game. Should I game. sit forward? A little bit. Okay. Be nice. Is this, does this work? Sure. Great. It looks okay on the the feed. Cool. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> yes. You're here. I'm here. Your name is Emily Dalton. It sure is. And you're an actress here in the city. <laughs> yes. As well as a writer and a producer. Yes. Yes. And director. And director. Right. Mm -hmm. You do the directing thing. I do. I do the directing yeah. Why? thing. Why? <laughs> Good question, Tristan. <laughs> Just dive right in. Yeah. Um, um, telling people what to do is very satisfying. Okay. Um, I like it when I can tell people they're bad actors and <laughs> it be part of a process. So that's Okay. <laughs> awesome it's acceptable mm -hmm. um you're from virginia right mm -hmm. so charlottesville 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 virginia, virginia. now <clears throat> for a northerner like me yes uh, uh virginia mm -hmm. ain't in the south virginia's just the, Everybody the, says the that, but it, no, it is the South. It is okay. the South. Officially, it is below the Mason-Dixon. Okay. Also, I'm from Charlottesville, which is dead center, and okay. the home of Thomas Jefferson, oh. um, 
who I, I don't know very how southern. super southern he no, is he considered. Was very, he was, like, he was, he was big pretty into, southern. like, you know, only yeah. black people. He was so, big into that and the sharing southern. the love with them as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> uncomfortably so. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, declaring independence. Yep. What so. about <laughs> But, yeah. Uh, no, it's totally the South. And, okay. I mean, I don't have that much of a southern accent. No. Unless I hang out with my parents for a while, and then yeah. and then I totally do. But. Do you do you think that southern sensibility has gotten in the way when you've moved to here in New York, or do people um, find it refreshing? How do people act? It hasn't gotten in the way. Uh, people tend to either think I'm too innocent mm. or too nice, mm. um, but people tend to be more charmed by it. I can get away with a little more, to be honest. Yeah? Yeah. All I, well, like, when I was um, waiting tables, I, all I had to do was say y'all, and uh. suddenly people were like, oh, you're so sweet. Where are you from? You know, and all that stuff. So, really? Yeah, it just it kind of made things easier, but it's harder on me because I tend to think the best of people, mm. and th- this sounds kind of jaded, but, you know, it, it, that's not the best outlook for an adult, especially yeah. in New York City. <laughs> Um, so I've learned a lot in my in my mm-hmm. six years. That makes sense. <clears throat> You've been here for six years. Well, yeah, it'll be six years in November. Yeah, no, remember, yeah, because you moved here after I did the first time. Did I? Right? I like right around that same time. It's the fifth of November. Okay. Well, so I get to say that little rhyme every year, which okay. is a lot of fun. Well, that's nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, good for you. Well, well done. We all like V for Vendetta. We yeah. did it. Yeah, Natalie we Portman, do. Portman, shave your head, yeah. please do. You looked great. Um, but what, when did you start acting and, um, why Um, are you doing that? I mean, it's hot in here. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. The podcast during the summer with the blanket up, it it just becomes like a Dutch oven. It's fine. My pores need to open. Is there a sexy way you can Dutch oven someone? I don't think so. Oh, just, yeah. Take it all off. It's fine. (laughs) Um, so... On this a visual, uh, audio medium. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Only you get to enjoy this. Yeah. Everyone else just gets to use their imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, mm-hmm. might be an advantage. Not to say you're not great. Ouch. But, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I can imagine hey, quite my, a bit. Hey, my boobs can be way better than they are. So I don't know about that. I, mean, I was mostly going with, like, your, your left <laughs> knee. <laughs> Do you have a problem with my left knee? I think it's okay. You know, this is a really sensitive subject. I'm not sure I'm comfortable talking okay, about Okay, so anyway, you started <laughs> acting when? Um, I started acting, I mean, technically when I was a little kid. Um, my dad's a pastor. My mom was always the music minister of the okay. of whatever church we were at, and she also tended to be the youth minister as well. So we would put on little church mm-hmm. plays, um, like David and Goliath, and, you know, me. Which one did you play? I was like one of the townspeople. Okay. <laughs> I was never one of the main people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was one of the Meshach Abednego. What was the other? Shadrach, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego. Yeah, yeah I was one the of those guys. fourth man that was in the fire, which was God. <laughs> right. I forgot about God. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like he's forgotten about us, too. So, like, really. Um, so, yeah, that that type of stuff, if that counts. Uh, sure. But the real first time I got involved in theater was in seventh grade. Okay. And it was Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, very cute. And I was Mustard Seed. Oh, And I had, very like, good. three lines, and I fell desperately in love with Shakespeare, and the rest is history. Mm. That's good. So your pa- your, your <clears throat> father's a pastor. Did you, like, mm-hmm. and you said what church you were at. Did you, like, move a lot as a kid? Um, uh, I spent some time in Martinsburg, West Virginia, when I was oh. young uh, at a church there, and then we moved to Charlottesville officially. Okay. I was born in Fairfax, Virginia, okay. West Virginia, down. And um, so I, I guess you could say we did, but it, I've probably experienced three churches total in my life. And okay. Yeah. But my dad wasn't always in the mis- ministry, so it's not like it consumed my life into my teenage years. So he switched from doing something else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a fine furniture maker. Okay. So he switched when I was about 16. That is, like, perfect. Yeah, rev- uh, reverse Jesus. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And, <laughs> like, he, he makes really beautiful furniture. Mm-hmm. And then my mom is a pianist um, mm-hmm. and organist, and she accompanies everything in mm-hmm. Charlottesville. So I come from two very artistic people. That's excellent. Yeah. And was it weird growing up, like, as, like, a pastor's daughter? Was there, like, an extra pressure on you put? Um. 
suppose. I didn't really acknowledge much of a pressure, to be honest, because okay. it was just my whole life. Uh, we definitely lived in the church, basically. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. But I mean, I was never a rebellious kid. I think the most rebellious, quote unquote, that I've gotten is in my older years. Mm-hmm. Like I've kind of uh, <clears throat> blossomed in reverse. I've become much more outgoing and much more like into, you know, going out and trying mm-hmm. new things as I grow older. Mm-hmm. As opposed to my teenage years, I was anti-sex, anti-drugs, anti-drinking, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I didn't actually feel any kind of a pressure. It was very second nature. Right on. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and you went to school there in Virginia then? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Monticello High School and then... Oh, so now doing whatever the hell it is you do in Monticello. That name I do know. Yeah. Monticello. Yeah, yeah. With black people. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) It was right up the hill from us, but... (laughs) Weird. No, um, and then I went to college in Richmond, Virginia, Mm -hmm. uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. All right. Got my BFA in theater performance. Mm -hmm. It was the only college I applied to. Um, My parents were (laughs) amazing people and did not freak out at that fact. Yeah. They're like, oh, great. You want to go to one school and it's an acting school and you have to audition to get. Great. Yep. You should not apply anywhere else. (laughs) Go exactly where you want to (laughs) go. And I did. Well, that's really great. That's that's a very good luxury. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, very I, encouraging, loving parents. Yeah, yeah. I um, I applied for the one school in Minnesota that I originally wanted to go to, and I didn't get in. I had a panic attack and just started applying to everything, and that's how I ended up here. Like, I literally like cut my hair and like had a whole like Britney Spears style meltdown. <laughs> but um, so that's that's great that you didn't have to go through that. I no, I didn't. Yeah. Apparently, I had no fear about it. Yeah. At this point in my life, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> but, are we cussing? Can we cuss? Yeah, you can. Great. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Great. Cunt. Awesome. <laughs> tits. All the tits. Asmageddon. Um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. That's not a swear. It's no. just a pleasant woman. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you were, what kind of style of acting did you like get into? Like, I've been talking a lot about acting technique with mm-hmm. friends lately, so I'm kind of like game to kind of mm. sneak into that. Was it like a specific school of talk? Like, it's like, Sorry, I'm doing a lot. I've no, asked no, you a question. And I'm, I'm listening and I'm thinking. Okay. So keep talking. Because <laughs> um, here in New York, there's a lot of like segregation of like acting styles yeah. and like. Um, Meisner is yeah, better. Yeah, and uh, Straussburg and, and all yeah. this, blah, 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 blah. And no one does like classical theater really except for Juilliard. And they're all like, well, you have to have a lot of money to go here. Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> is that the case in other schools? Around the country, do you think? <laughs> Not at a public city school no. in Virginia. <laughs> That's fair. No, um, VCU, that actually was what attracted me, is uh, it was not a conservatory-style program, mm-hmm. and they're very much about trying a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, the thing that stuck for me was freshman year uh, Stanislavski method, mm-hmm. the magic if and all mm-hmm. that stuff. That's what works for me because I don't like uh, getting too deep into it. I feel like I get a little lost, and I don't mm-hmm. like feeling so overwhelmed that I can't hook back to my original self. But mm-hmm. um, that also means that I haven't trained in all of those things because I'm pretty sure that someone who trains in, like, method and, and all of those things can hook themselves into themselves. And it's – anyway, it, I need I could do a, with more training, that's for sure. But I do mm-hmm. like getting just a touch of a little bit of everything. It makes mm-hmm. me feel like I can easily blend in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's why mm-hmm. I've been able to write and direct and act mm-hmm. is because I kind of spread out – and I can take in other styles and training methods and so on and so forth. And did uh, th- did your school like have an emphasis on directing that you also pursued during that time, or no. is it something you fell into? I just did it for me. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I started it in high school. Okay. Um, in high school, I did not like the drama teacher mm. at all, and the musicals she were she was choosing were very boring to me there was mm-hmm. nothing interesting or risque and there was definitely no classical happening so I started this class my senior year um, an independent study program about student-run theater and so the whole point is that a student directs and produces and casts and does everything and creates a show mm-hmm. without any kind of assistant from teachers otherwise uh, other than you know getting the space <laughs> and it worked and actually, the program continued for a few years after I graduated, which cool. was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice little legacy. Yeah. 
I don't think it's still happening, but it was cool to have and for my friends who were younger than me to have because mm-hmm. they just got to play around and do their own thing and be totally independent. So I kept doing that in college as well. Um, I directed Baby Makes Seven and, oh, what's that other one? I forgot. Harvey. Mm-hmm. Um, those were the two I directed. So Other than that, I, I think I did a couple of one acts, but yeah. And I assume, like, as a when you you pick up a directing thing, mm-hmm. you you often think, well, what's the direct? Who's the director I want to work with? And then you act so much like that. At least yeah. that's how I go about it. Oh yeah. So in the reverse, um, I also assume like when you get cast in something, who's the actor you want to work with, and what are those qualities that mm-hmm. you um would like to see in both your performances and you like you as an actor and director, like what do you like? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, um, cool. I, I mean, like, as a scene partner, I find it important that I'm on time <laughs> and that I know my lines yeah. so that I can support my scene partner as, most, as, mo- as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, preparation is a big thing for me. I really mm-hmm. like being prepared. Um, and just an eagerness mm-hmm. to, to take notes Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I direct a, an actor who doesn't seem to listen to me or doesn't seem to give a shit what I'm saying, like mm-hmm. that's the most I, I I can deal with an actor not knowing their lines. I can deal with an actor being late. I can deal with all of that. But if they're not eager, like excited to be there at every single odd, um, rehearsal, then it's mm-hmm. that infuriates me. Yeah. Um, luckily, I've only dealt with a couple of people like mm-hmm. that, and they're not currently a part of my life so there you go yeah but as an actor that's yeah as i try to always show up if i'm not prepared with lines i i'm prepared with energy mm-hmm. and if i'm not energetic i at least know you give shit. a shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i can lean on one or the other right on yeah yeah and so there's the how do you go about like I, i've never directed a like a play how do you go about that do you just like analyze the shit out of the text <laughs> and then just make sure everyone knows it or like how do you yeah um well like recent, uh, all of the directing I've done in New York has been ten ten minutes. Okay, I've done one full length, but I kind of broke it down into ten minutes in terms of rehearsals. Um, so, for example, in the theater company I'm a part of now, the Network Theater Company, uh, I chose the plays I wanted to direct because I was entertained by them mm-hmm. the most. They were the ones I was most interested in seeing done, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, I need to be the one to do that because this play needs to be done in a certain way so it's just i I mean you could call that a control freak thing (laughs) like i can't stand for someone else to take this i mean i think that's just like knowing what you like and knowing what you want to see like it's just the clarity of vision yeah i i I make plays that i want to see yeah i would never make a play that i wouldn't sit down and watch myself a hundred times over Mm -hmm. and that's the nice thing is every time i do direct i end up sitting and watching it through every single performance oh that's good um or if i can't be there i feel awful of course but Mm -hmm. you know you have to watch it a hundred times in rehearsal and still be fascinated so Mm -hmm. you it better fascinate you when you first hear it Mm -hmm. um uh, yeah so it's mostly what speaks to me okay first and then i usually i don't plan that much as a director mm-hmm. um i'm very much work on the go mm-hmm. and um like i'll think about it obviously and i'll i'll meditate on it and figure out okay what's the mood i want to go for and is there a concept i want <clears throat> but anything else blocking or any emotions i i let that start with the actors and then mm-hmm. i i pinpoint my biggest thing as a director really is blocking mm. um I create stage pictures, and mm. I let the actors fill in everything else. Okay. Um, and I obviously direct them, but I would rather tell them where to stand and then tell them to do it however they want to perform it, just mm-hmm. tell them where to stand while they're doing it, so that I can get the picture I want, and they'll just give me the colors. So it's paint by number. Yeah. Okay. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. All right. I yeah. used to do those when I was a kid, yep. so maybe that works. <laughs> Yeah, it is paint by number one. Um, and <laughs> as an actor, you said you like you don't really do like a lot of like really getting deep, you know, really. Kind I, of, but I've seen your work, and it's very like you know that very fun. It like the mostly I've seen you do comedies. So, right. um, but you do like a lot of transformative like character work. You're from my understanding. Are you I still do. doing that sort of thing? I mean, yes. Um, yeah. 
what I what what I really meant was that I don't I don't like method in that I don't drop it mm. when I'm in the rehearsal I'm in it if that makes sense I don't know um, Mm-hmm. Um, the modern version of method acting, which is like Daniel Day-Lewis and yeah. Jared Leto, which isn't method acting. It's just being a child. <laughs> um, like yeah. Day-Lewis is a genius, but what he does is insane. Right. Like he's like, that's that's not healthy. Yeah, and, it's, it's a little intense. Yeah, it's it's weird and I don't really approve. But like, so that's what you you mean by that. Yeah, that's the type, the type of method stuff mm. that I don't, I don't, I don't want to lose myself. So really what I try to do is, is stand the man type stuff which is the magic if if mm-hmm. emily was in the situation how would i react and if i mm-hmm. felt this way about this person how would i react mm-hmm. and um listening is all that really happens for me because mm-hmm. um, when i stop listening then i'm just being a fucking actor i'm you know sorry what, what? <laughs> <laughs> fucking actor mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah but that's interesting as well that you say that because of the things i have seen are like really charactery and they're not that's just funny. Like, because when I think of like people so. who you show up really and go, seen modern stuff. Yeah, I me. haven't seen huh. you act in a while, but it contemporary, when, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah. Because like you do, like when people tend to go, well, I just listen. They tend to be themselves on stage, and they're right. just doing it. But you have this nice quality where you huh. are obviously listening because you know you're not an idiot, and <laughs> uh, you're. But you also like have these like layers and characterizations that are really neat. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. I guess, yeah, I guess the only shows you've seen are ones where I'm a character. Yeah, like um, an old woman or yeah, some sort of witch or something. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Well, I mean, if the character calls for that, mm-hmm. then obviously I'll get into it. But it really is, I'm, I'm still thinking what would Emily do if she was an old woman playing a piano for okay. a terrible play? Mm-hmm. Um which we're referring to the gayest Christmas pageant ever. Which is a real show. Which is a real show, and it happened five yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Uh, Ken Newverth, Miles's father, didn't mm. recognize you. I know, and that's mm. like the coolest. I still yeah. hold on to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that I mean, I mean, that's just body work. Yeah. And. Yep. I mean, I'd like to say that I have some deep process and I dig into it and I really connect and I walk around the house like that for days. Like, no, I just think about it for a while and then I apply it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, how does this person move? And then you just do things. Yeah. How would I move if I was like this is all I do. I had a kind of similar thing of like, I played a snake in Ricky Tiki Tavi. Snake. Hey, oh, it's, it's a, a snake. snake. <laughs> and someone's just like looking. She's like, you're just, you're not playing a snake. You just are a snake. I'm like, that's cool. Cause I just like, don't really think about it. Like, yeah. it's like people are like, what are you doing? Yeah. And, um, I think the majority of my process is just thinking, not so much doing, which yeah. it can be rough. Cause then I get stuck in my head. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I just sit and I read the play and I think about it and I think about it and I think about it. And then I put those thoughts into action in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry I had to answer a thing, but yeah, um, you thought, yeah, man, <laughs> I can do, I can, I can listen and write and okay, yeah, okay. Um, as well. <laughs> so yeah, you just sit and you stew with it, and mm-hmm. then you just do it. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of like um, my my teachers always said you you. <laughs> you do all this work and then you throw it away and you jump off the cliff and as you're jumping down the cliff you're carving what mm. you're trying to do and by the time you hit the bottom you want it to look like the statue of david or whatever you're going and for and the jump is like the rehearsal the jump process. is the rehearsal yeah i or think the first that's very and second much. and third take yeah, yeah yeah very much um now yeah. you've done like all that like, you you're playing <clears throat> you in you're mm-hmm. doing a one person show i am i'm doing a one person show about fear and being fear. upset yes um and lots of fear lots of fear uh, and how does that transition between, is it just the same thing of like, if I was Emily, because it's, oh, no, it it's same? so much harder. Yeah. Uh, it's so much harder to be yourself on stage than to be another person. Other people you can, you're told what to say. Um, mm-hmm. and then when, you, when you're writing your own solo show, uh, oh God, that was the hardest thing I've ever done to yeah. write my own solo show. I've done, I did one in college, but I was, it was in a class. So we were led with these exercises mm. and all those things and. It was much more emotional when we went through journeys. Um, but this one was all me. I um, The pit put out their thing for Solocom, and mm-hmm. they said, "Here's your, uh, give us your idea. It can't be something you've already written. Mm. And so I gave them my idea, which is the fact that I'm afraid of the dark, and I sleep with a nightlight. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I had to write it. Mm-hmm. And it, I had no one to check in on me. I had no way to um, track myself. It was all me, mm-hmm. which is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Being self-motivated <clears throat> is really, really difficult. Yes, it is. Um, Especially for someone who's, like, inherently lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know me. what that's like, Emily. I mean, I may be a perfectionist some days, mm-hmm. but I'm actually exceedingly lazy. Oh, I'm sure. Like, once an object is at rest... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just that. And everyone has that. Yeah. Everyone has that. Oh, I just don't want to fucking deal with it. I don't want to do anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is like, um, I'm, I had my mentor, first, the first person I did um, theater classes from, he did a lot of one-man shows because he's a really fascinating person because he's like half Chinese and he's been to China and dealing with heritage and what it's like to be an American. Blah, 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 blah. But so It's um, interesting stuff. Yeah, it is. And like, but he, he said the hardest thing, this is how he sounds, the hardest thing to do a, a one-man show isn't writing it it's just convincing yourself you have to rehearse because oh you're in God. charge of it that's the worst part yeah like the first show the I did this show first in November for mm-hmm. the pit solo com and that was easier to schedule rehearsals because I only had three months and mm-hmm. there was a timeline and I knew when everything was done but with this it's a reboot I chose the performance dates before I even looked at the script again mm-hmm. because I knew if I didn't make a make the dates I wasn't going to do it mm-hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> so I made the dates and then I was like great now I have two months I'm not going to do anything for a month and then I'm going to start freaking out about it Yeah. and that's what I did uh-huh. <laughs> great process uh-huh. lots of anxiety which you know gives you material for the show exactly exactly uh i had a (laughs) i had a director uh chris aurelio who was also my director for the first one and most of his job was telling me it's good Mm -hmm. you're good it's okay keep going (laughs) like just keep going you're Mm -hmm. fine this is a fantastic show that was Mm -hmm. most of his job (laughs) um which is incredibly useful Mm -hmm. because i'm someone who gets very stuck in my head and if i don't have someone to yank me out of it i'm fucked yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, like, you you mentioned, like, you have, you're really anxious. And do you do that only be? is it just stress anxiety? Or do you just, like, feel anxious all the time, like you're dying? Oh, not all the time. Okay. Um, no, when I was, so when I was 15, I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And, the um, common colds of very the Very common. Oh, my God. The, super common. Yeah. Um, it's not even that intense of a case i guess mm-hmm. it's just it's pretty mild but it's still good to but have an explanation of how, yeah. why you feel this way that yeah way exactly know. because it, i remember the hardest thing about being a teenager and not knowing what the hell was going on with my mm-hmm. brain was just feeling that way and going i'm, I'm going insane i yeah. don't know what's going on so that was exactly what happened to me i mean mm-hmm. i thought i was losing my mind mm-hmm. and i felt like a different person and i felt like everything changed very suddenly it was literally like a light switch yeah. and um i mean it happened there were a lot of outside factors that kind of turned it on yeah and then i found out that it was in my dna like it was mm-hmm. from my dad's side of the family it's mm-hmm. something that was to be expected mm-hmm. they just didn't expect it to happen to me they thought it was mm-hmm. going to happen to my brother mm-hmm. um so they were very Ta-ha. blindsided by that it was like no it's me the me the whole time <laughs> um <clears throat> so <laughs> so my anxiety <laughs> is Ta-da, I'm depressed. <laughs> like, Guess what, mom and dad? I haven't had sex. I'm just depressed about life. Um, uh, and that's still true. Yeah. Weirdly well, enough, that's still true. Super virgin. Yep, mom and, and Emily's parents who are definitely listening. I've never, ever. Had sex. I never let a penis touch me. Nope, nope. never. I would have no reason to suspect otherwise. Yep. But Same anyway, thing. it just... Like a light switch, you said. It did. It yeah. did. Like in the course um, of like a day? Just like uh, in like are... a couple of weeks, yeah. yeah. And it formed pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, my youth minister at the time got the brunt of it. And, and I was, just was like calling him and being like, I'm freaking out. <laughs> Who am I? I live in the Matrix. I, that was literally one of my thoughts, uh, thinking that hmm. the world wasn't real and thinking I was in a dream. Um. <laughs> that's like very Descartes of you. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's like some deep thinking that for a 17-year-old. Fi- 15. 15. 15, wow. <clears throat> well, I, I realized that when I was 12. So, oh. yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, okay. No, it was a, jo- it was a joke. What is this? Is this real? No. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> Don't, don't you get worried about like oh let's let's actually talk <laughs> do about you ever worry if it's no no real? I, do, I do all the time I because mean, like specifically like yeah. with my pathology like 
there are times where like you can hallucinate and I get really yeah. concerned that what I'm doing is not actually happening and yeah. I'm going to wake up. It's I have days where I feel like I'm in, I mean, everybody has those days where they feel like they're in a, they're in a haze mm -hmm. and they're like, this doesn't feel real. How did I get from this point to this point mm -hmm. without noticing it? And I, yeah, I still have that little questioning voice mm -hmm. in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. Like, is this, is this happening? But I always thought it was kind of, talking about the Matrix, I thought it was really <laughs> dumb that he took so long to believe it. Yeah, you know? I mean, he was in a mm. ship. Yeah, and, and watching people in little bulbs Where's with like, spiders and shit—that's real. Like, <laughs> that's intense. Like the minute I would have learned something like that, I'm like, okay, so I I, I can do anything. Then, then okay. I'm gonna just. Well, freeing your mind isn't that easy. I like to think I'm pretty open to new ideas, but also my first thought I think would have been like, I knew it. <laughs> Do you but. think you would have known when you woke up in the goob? The goob? The, the pink goob in the eggs? In the, oh, God, with I the spider the thingies? In it's the first moment Neo pick wakes up. Uh -huh. He jumps up. <gasps> uh -huh. And he looks around and there, there's the uh, what, the fields of humans. Yeah. Maybe. In pink goob. I think I would have. I definitely like would have had a hard time with it. I'm not saying like, oh, oh yeah. I would have just. I would have oh, had like oh, a great. panic attack. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would have been like the minute he was like, oh, it's a computer program. I'm like, okay, so when can we start modifying this program? Especially because he was a hacker. He yeah. should have just automatically gotten it. But anyway. But, yeah. but, yeah. The human mind is fragile. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> um, it's like a big gland that's constantly changing and evolving to be yeah. lazy. Like, that's the thing that, no, brains are really lazy by nature. True. When you try and figure out, like, the most, like, that's why, like, addiction happens so easily with everyone, even, mm -hmm. like, like, sugar. To find any way to shut off? Yeah, just like, hey, this feels nice, let's just keep doing this. Yeah. Or, like, that's why, like, deja vu happens. Like, um, your brain is just like, I've seen this before, <coughs> done. And it's like, you haven't, you've just seen something very similar to it, and you just use the same neural pathway. But that makes my brain work harder whenever I have deja vu. Yeah, it's bad, they're dumb, they're yeah. dumb things. Our brain, like, the most terrifying <laughs> thing I've realized is our brains drive us, we don't drive their brains, and they're not good drivers. <clears throat> no, no they aren't. But anyway, um, <laughs> so at like 15, you're having this existential, like actually, existential crisis, yeah. literal existential crisis. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and I destroyed this. Oh no, I've owned this for so long. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Oh no, it's okay. I thought it was just a coaster from like a bar. It's oh, no, it's from I've, my childhood. I've, it's fine. I ripped up one of his post coasters because. Oh, I'm so sorry, my God. <laughs> So, um, if you want to have a go at one of these, we have 17 of them. Okay. It's all right. I feel so bad. You're okay. Don't worry about it. Darling, you're fine. It's, like, <clears throat> of sentimental value, so I wasn't really using it as a coaster, so it can still be there. But like, I legit destroyed that. Well, you just, like, <laughs> quadricected it. It's fine. But you're going through this existential crisis. Like, I think, <laughs> do you need a minute? I feel so bad. You don't need to. Okay. It's just the thing. It's all gonna burn anyway. I like know, I've read still, Revelations. I will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a bold title, Revelations. Yeah. Like what? Like really, it should have been called Death. Yes. The destruction. We fucked. <laughs> but yeah. Um, what? We fucked. Like we're 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 fucked. Oh, we're fucked. Yeah. Yes. Like because that's mostly what it is it's not like a lot of revelations. There's a like deep insight. It's just like God damn it, we're all good. There's rivers of blood. Like we I, fucked. I see. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. But uh, fifteen. Fifteen through this existential crisis, existential. which I think a lot of young people do. They do. Yeah. But you start calling your your um, youth pastor, uh -huh. which was not your mother. No. Which was someone else. Right. And what did you talk about? Um. <laughs> so the first night this really happened, like occurred, I remember waking up in my bed and believing, like truly believing that next to me there was an angel mm -hmm. and on the other side of me there was a demon mm -hmm. and they were arguing for my soul. Hmm. Uh, this wasn't a dream or, well, I didn't think it was a dream. It probably was. But <clears throat> I was so convinced it was real that uh, I got up out of bed and woke my parents up and told them about it and like they came and laid in bed with me instead and like calmed me down and I was 15 years old like mm -hmm. I was a pretty normal kid and mm -hmm. um, so that was the first night and mm -hmm. so I talked about that and I talked about being afraid that I was pregnant um, it was silly because I hadn't had sex but my boyfriend and I at the time had like 
rubbed our bodies together and as young people do. like we do because we're trying not to have sex but like we're we got really hormones we really have sex yeah that's every young person existential <laughs> dread and, and humping yeah and humping and fear of pregnancy mm-hmm. and uh it freaked me out so much i was absolutely convinced that i would be that mm-hmm. i was and that every pregnancy i test i'd taken was wrong even though i was absolutely 100% a virgin so that I talked about that a lot and just a lot of general anxiety and fear and depression and, you know, mm-hmm. just all the sad shit that kids think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually he was like, we have to tell your parents that this is happening. Yeah. And so they did. And then they were like, we should get you a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so they did. So after that, um, started seeing a therapist and she was like, this is normal. This is common. You're fine. You're not pregnant. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get you on a mild antidepressant. Mm-hmm. And so they did. And I was exceedingly lucky in that uh, the first thing they tried is the one thing that has worked. Yeah. Um, it It's a uh, Wellbutrin, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which a lot of people have told me is like, oh, that one's awful. Isn't it? It's not for me. Um, and pretty soon I started feeling like my normal self mm-hmm. as much as you can at 15. And mm-hmm. feeling like I had control of my life again and feeling like my feet were actually on the ground. Like, that's the best way to describe it. Um, at that time, I felt like I was floating at all times. And then the antidepressant grounded me back into who I was, mm-hmm. am. And, um, yeah, I've just been taking that. And it's it's a, it's the lowest dose you can get. And mm-hmm. it also uh, affects the anxiety in that it just sort of levels everything out. Mm-hmm. It clears the fog, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, when they take antidepressants, they start getting foggier and things. Yeah. They just stop functioning. But it had the reverse effect. It had the effect it's supposed to have mm-hmm. on me, which is to clear the fog and make me feel like a real person again. Mm-hmm. Um, That's really lucky. Yeah, I got really fucking lucky. Right. <laughs> like a lot of folks, myself yeah. included, like it's really difficult finding a right me- the right medication. Yeah, it's um, a lot of trial and error and frustration, and yeah. And you have to like block out. Here's five. Like, I think for like normal depression, you should like it's like five months for like bipolar depression, like what I have. Like sometimes it can be up to a year, and yeah. then and then longer. It's insane, um, literally. And you feel insane, yeah. and you feel like you're losing your mind, and mm-hmm. you don't know who you are. The one time I was on medication, um, I was on Remeron, which sounds like a Star Trek. Remeron. Shot a course to Remeron. <laughs> um, but it, I've never been closer to killing myself because of that. It was awful. Yeah. It was like, and it was, which was really difficult to deal with at the time, obviously. But since then, when anyone is skeptical about my diagnosis that I've received, I tell them that story and they go, oh, no, then yes, definitely. Um, Which is nice to like, so there was something good that came out of it. But that's really, I'm really glad that you lucked out so early. I really did. And are you still on that? Yeah. It's still what I take. I'm still on the lowest dose. Mm -hmm. Um, I still deal with anxiety attacks, which are sort of separate. So I take a Mm -hmm. name, something, um, clonazepam for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for immediate, mm-hmm. like, it, all it does is take the edge off so I can breathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, you, like, I have had have had that in the past as yeah. well. Like, people take it for, if they get anxious on planes and stuff right. like that. It's a very low-key, like, again, my anxiety and depression is very common type. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it's still there, and it's still something to take care of. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. There's... I could easily fall yeah. into that category of... Oh, well, I'm better now, so I could just stop, right? And Uh then that's where it would fall apart. Yeah. So I'm at this point where I'm like, okay, clearly, like, it's working, and Mm -hmm. I like who I am. So let's Mm -hmm. just stick with this, and, like, maybe Mm -hmm. we'll see how things go as I continue developing as a human. But right now, it's it's still good. Good. Um, Yeah. And you, like, you you did therapy. What kind? Was it talk or CBT or? Sitting and talking. Okay. Uh, I've always connected better with therapists who are very groovy and not necessarily like oh my god we're gonna get in touch with your auras Mm -hmm. or anything like that but it was always like tell me how you feel Mm -hmm. that's cool that's cool that you feel that way Mm -hmm. that's valid like mostly Mm -hmm. just someone telling me what i was feeling was valid Mm -hmm. and telling me i wasn't crazy Mm um all all women women are the only ones i've really connected with men have always it's felt um removed and i've never been able to really connect 
I've only had male therapists because I know I'm an idiot and would fall in love with a therapist. No, like, I know. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. I always get attached to my therapists. Mm. Like, the, this wonderful, intelligent woman telling me that I'm okay. Like, yeah. and, like, helping me. I'm like, oh, no. Like, that that would be bad. Yeah. That would be very bad for Tristan. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I mean, yeah, I fall in love with my scene partner, so I can only yeah. imagine. <laughs> always do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm putting on this play. I was wondering if you wanted to do the scene with me. No. Um, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, I, yeah. So I'm the opposite of you. Not like I, emotions are valid. That's fine. I have mm-hmm. a, I've kind of internalized that hyper, like, like I'll feel a thing. Like there's part of my brain that goes, you're a fucking idiot. And I go, no, calm down, man. I know you're angry at me right now. I can feel this. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I come in and I'm like, what's the fucking game plan? What mm-hmm. can I do actively to pursue being well? Which mm-hmm. works really well for things like CBT. Whereas like talk therapy, you're just like hashing it out. And right. I, whenever what I've is done CBT? The, cognitive behavior therapy. Oh, oh, oh gotcha, gotcha. Sorry. Um, it's not you like mean some like new kind of kink. If you're afraid of snakes, you get thrown into a snake pit. No, <laughs> no. Um, no. That's part of, God, that's very like, right now. What? <laughs> Nothing. Go on. Um, it, it's that's part of it that's the exposure therapy is definitely part of cbt mm. which is actually kind of related to deep i just learned this recently to the the philosophy of stoicism mm. of if you think of something unpleasant you're more prepared for it i actually do that anytime mm. i'm getting ready to like step off a train or a bus or something i'm like what if i fell and did this mm-hmm. and this and this and then it doesn't happen I have been on like an L train and convinced myself that I'm okay with dying because I was convinced it was going to fall off the bridge. And I'm just like, are you happy? Like, are you okay? Yeah, I've lived a good life. I've done more than a lot of people. Yeah, I could go. And like, I'm just on my commute. It's insane. (laughs) Um, But the exposure therapy is part of it. And that's kind of rooted in stoicism. But it's mostly like, um, it's like breathing exercises, grounding exercises, things you can do when you're anxious, specifically anxious. Mm Mm-hmm. To ground you and make you present. Um, I think that's more of what I do now because I haven't mm-hmm. seen a therapist in two years. Yeah. Um, I, uh, sh- I should. <laughs> I should check back in. Yeah. Um, but re- it, mostly I just meditate a lot mm-hmm. and do breathing exercises and do that type of stuff. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and you're like kind of new agey about it. You're yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I think about, uh, you know, manifesting positivity and in mm-hmm. sort of a physical state so that I can then grab onto it mm-hmm. and take it as my own. Yeah. Um, and I also understand that the more I worry about something, I'm literally creating that energy and it's just mm-hmm. bound to happen. So cut it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm currently going through a thing where I'm like, oh, what if this happens? And what if this happens? Stop it because you're making it happen now, you mm-hmm. know, because you're thinking about it happening. So just cut that out. Think about all the good things that could ha- that could happen. Mm-hmm. And those will most likely happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure, like I guess that's new agey. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit, but it's also like I, I feel like it's so integrated in our popular culture that it doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah, in as much as like Thank it's God. just like setting a goal, and mm-hmm. like anxiety is setting a goal that is bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also like the things you're they're just two different ways of going about it. Like I I have a hard time with like all the crystals and all that like <laughs> yippy hippy stuff because yeah. I'm. I'm like a half believer in that stuff. Yeah. Like I, I think it's cool and it makes me feel good to hold these things. So mm-hmm. why not use them? Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like whatever makes you feel better and doesn't hurt anyone. I yeah. don't give a shit. Like I have a, like um, a cast member of mine gave me a rock um, because, you know, it's a fucking rock, but it's supposed to have like some sort of energy and I have yeah. it in my wallet all the time because mm-hmm. I'm number one, like I respect her opinion as a person. And then also she gave me a gift and so that's a nice thing to do. And then also like, I'm like I'm more goal oriented and I feel like I'm succeeding more I don't think it has anything to do with the rock but I think the rock helps with the confidence right also as a someone who is a young boy at sometimes I understand the appeal of having a rock in your pocket yeah it feels nice yeah a friend of mine made me this uh, bracelet Mm-hmm. With I, I don't know the name of the stone, but mm-hmm. she described what it's supposed to do, which is like create calmness and mm-hmm. confidence and just groundedness in general. And she also attached lava rock, which you can put oil in and it's, mm-hmm. you can smell it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but without it, I feel a little more detached. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's not, it, I mean, it's just like a pressure thing. I have this bracelet yeah. on. It feels good. It, it reminds me to believe in myself. And mm-hmm. so through that power, it does work. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe so much that a rock actually affects me. Yeah, but and I think it's a kind of essentially pl- it does. Yeah, 
And it's a placebo effect, sort yeah. of. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, I have the same thing with my watch. If I don't wear my watch, I feel anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like... If I don't I, wear my rings, yeah, same thing. And I have, like, a tattoo on my arm that says hope, so it reminds me. Like, it's, you know, like, we do these things and they're all fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but reminders, yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, so you do, like, a lot of meditation, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Like, you do yoga as well. Is I that do. linked as I, well? Um, I mean, honestly, it's more for health. Okay. For my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another part of the anxiety and depression. I've always dealt with my weight uh, or had issues with my weight. Mm-hmm. I was always a fat kid. I think... This is the thinnest I've ever been mm-hmm. at this moment in my life, and I'm almost 29. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. And doing yoga um, makes me feel like I'm actually connected to my body mm-hmm. for a minute, for 30 minutes. Because um, <laughs> if it's not all working together, I'm not going to balance. Mm-hmm. So I have to work with my body. And a big thing I've been working on lately is finding ways to worship myself. Um, in order to, and not in like a self-conceited way, mm-hmm. but in a, uh, the only person who's really going to love me is me, so I better yeah. fucking love me. Yeah, you get one person um, that you live with for yeah, your whole life. Just one. And so the best way, like working out is great and mm-hmm. eating right is great, I guess, but the best thing that's worked so far is yoga and yeah. uh, the breathing techniques help and yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I will say, like, regardless, uh, I've always thought you were very attractive, regardless oh, of your weight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've definitely learned uh, mm-hmm. how to see that. Yeah. Even w- at, when I look at pictures of myself in high mm-hmm. school, I'm like, oh, God, I was so fat. And then I'm like, no, no, no. You're really beautiful in this way, in this way, in this way. And you're a really beautiful person. So. Yeah. And I think it's also like there's nothing wrong with, like, it, it, fat is not synonymous no. with unattractive. And, and it happens. And we also, like, have <laughs> made it as... The society and it's like an insult and I'm like right. it shouldn't be it's like an observation right. like I'm very short I'm short for a man that is not an insult I'm a very right. small man it's just a physical feature yeah. yeah exactly yeah and I that's why whenever people you know shit on plus size models they're mm. like oh they're just you know they're pushing being unhealthy as a good thing no 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 mm. no sometimes you can't help it mm-hmm. sometimes it, no matter how much you're at the gym you're just gonna have a flobby kind mm-hmm. of body so fucking love it because mm. it's all you got because the more you hate it the worse it's gonna feel yeah um so like uh, ashley graham and all those women are just goddesses in my mind mm-hmm. um i'm not their size but i i think they're stunning yeah and i'm so happy that it's changing yeah things for sure and like I'm I'm pretty spelt for a person but I also have like a bit of a stomach like a bit of a <laughs> like a beer gut sort of thing even though I don't drink and like that that's been there since I was 13 it hasn't gone away Baby and fat. like it never will <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah never... there's parts there's parts of my body I'm like well that's just, just not gonna go away yep. it's just not unless I get surgery which mm-hmm. I don't intend to do mm-hmm. um and if I do that's fine too you mm-hmm. know it's very much acceptance 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 which is mm-hmm. the hardest thing mm-hmm. it's harder than being an actor in new york because mm-hmm. to be an actor in new york you have to accept yourself mm-hmm. in order to succeed mm-hmm. while everyone's telling you not to and so with this one woman show you said it was really difficult being yourself on stage yeah. and is that the because of the like anxiety of like oh what if they don't like me sort yeah of thing? exactly it, it's just that like am i funny am i am i is is this actually a good subject is mm-hmm. this fucking stupid this is mm-hmm. fucking stu- why are you guys listening to me like that's <laughs> half that's my thought process through the whole show is like and, why are they here you, and do you do that during the show I mean, yeah a good. couple of times yeah oh i call it out hardcore good um i'll comment on myself if i'm I'm like that was a stupid comment <laughs> and i'll just say it and it helps oh god the connection with the audience is so great mm-hmm. whenever i call myself out and i say in this moment i feel da 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 and then they're like oh we feel that too mm-hmm. and it's it's the best that's the mm-hmm. best thing about um that this whole process has taught me is that uh whatever i'm doing in the moment is way more fascinating than anything i've written before to be honest yeah um that's yeah. fair mm-hmm and I think one person shows and also like stand up are very linked um, in as much as generally it's just someone's psyche on stage. Yeah. Generally. And believing that their psyche ha- is actually a story that's worth mm-hmm. being told. Yeah. Because that's the big thing. Yeah. For like sure. everybody when they were kids. So my show is all about being afraid of the dark yeah. and how when the lights go out, I believe beyond reason that uh, something is in the dark with me. Mm hmm usually supernatural and um everybody's dealt with that 
It's mm-hmm. not an uncommon thing. But the fact that I'm an adult is the thing that's like, oh, that's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm, she's weird. Let's yep. l- learn more about this. And that's my hope is that people are just intrigued mm-hmm. by that fact. And the fact that I'm willing to talk about it, too, because it's so embarrassing. It is, yeah, it's a weird thing, man. <laughs> it's a but, super weird thing. But when you first mentioned it, like, I listen mm-hmm. to audiobooks and classical music when I fall asleep, because mm-hmm. otherwise, like, I'm going all the time. And it's, like, it's not exactly fear-based, but it's mm-hmm. kind of a similar thing of, like, we all need weird things to right. sleep well. Right. Also, I have been in my room convinced that they're, like, not, like, oh, I think convinced there's someone else in in the house and miles was away mm-hmm. and there, there wasn't but i like heard something and then i was convinced and i was like oh shit oh shit that i don't have anything to fight him with mm. and like so i think it's more common than you think and then it's also like yeah i i'm not worried about robbers yeah. or or burglars or whatever mm-hmm. i'm not that's not my concern my concern mm-hmm. is the supernatural mm-hmm. because i have no control over it mm. and I half believe in it, mm-hmm. uh, but I, it's just enough, you know, mm-hmm. and even, I mean, last night I had a really hard time sleeping because there's this little bit of me that's like, what if, and it, God, mm-hmm. it keeps me awake, mm-hmm. um, which, which is still really embarrassing to say, even though I've said it a hundred times on stage, uh, but yeah, it still happens every night. What's interesting about it as well is it's the same part of your brain that makes you a successful actor. Yes, it's because that, it's what if. Yeah, it's that mm-hmm. vivid imagination. Oh, yeah. Is. And that's the whole that's the whole thing. I explore that yeah. right away in my show is mm-hmm. my imagination. Um, it's like, fuck you and logic and mm-hmm. what you know. Because the thing is, I know. Mm-hmm. I know there's nothing there for a fact that there is nothing else there. Mm-hmm. But... Everything in me that believes in something else, which I was born and raised to do because, you know, born and raised to believe in God. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to believe in God, then why wouldn't I believe in all these other things? Yeah. Because who's who the fuck can say that there's an almighty force, but there's not ghosts? Mm-hmm. You know, that's nothing in comparison. So I can't say that I believe in God without saying I believe in ghosts. Mm-hmm. So, Which yeah. is a very rational thing for right. a very un- inra- irrational, irrational thing. Mm-hmm. An unrational thing. Unrational as fuck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lack of ration. Yeah. Um, we're just, n- there's no food. We have no rations. <laughs> we're all dying. It's the Oregon Trail. I have dysentery. So <laughs> My cows died. Here we are at Mount McKinley. And, um, but yeah, that's interesting and i was kind of thought that way as well and i always felt kind of stupid because I, I think ghosts are kind of dumb ghosts are dumb ghosts but, are super dumb but i believe in bigfoot like it's <laughs> and i believe in aliens like but aliens absolutely 100 yeah. percent. yeah yeah for sure because like so like how can you believe in aliens and god or anything how can you believe in good vibes how can you believe in prayer how can mm-hmm. you believe in good luck mm-hmm. and not believe in the supernatural so mm-hmm. that's that's that little voice that's what it's saying to me mm-hmm. um how can you become this other person on stage mm-hmm. and claim that you're good at that and not believe that there's something else in the room mm-hmm. so yeah, how do you on. deal with that when you can't sleep uh, well, I keep the light on well, most exactly. of the night. Yeah. Most of the night. Some nights, though, I'm like, fuck this, and I'll turn it off, and I'll actually be able to keep myself calm long enough to fall asleep, which is uh, hard. Mm-hmm. Um, like last night, for example, I turned it off for a while, and then I got a weird feeling, and I mm-hmm. shut up, and I turned it back on. And mm-hmm. it, there's nothing really to do except I'll turn on meditations. Like mm-hmm. I listen to these podcasts. Um that's that's the big thing really mm-hmm. is someone else's voice mm-hmm. someone telling me that it's okay uh is the big thing it's funny when i'm with someone if i'm sleeping next to someone my fear of the dark is practically gone mm. because i have an automatic protector mm. <laughs> and i can sacrifice that person and <laughs> but it, no it's just knowing that there's another human uh <laughs> here you cthulhu eat him i'm fine yeah you go first and i'll run mm-hmm. um no, having another person in the room yeah. automatically cuts the fear down yeah. almost 100%. But not entirely. Obviously, it's still kind of there. But I can fall asleep so much quicker and more comfortably with somebody else. I am the fucking opposite. <laughs> I toss and I turn and I dream of what I need. I need a hero. No. <laughs> um, I do. I like, I'm, I'm itchy and like, 
scratchy and that's a Simpsons reference and I'm <laughs> my brain is too free associative right now. Um, but no, I'd like I, I if there's someone else in the room, I'm like I've done this all, all every relationship I've ever been in. I've woken up in the middle of the night and checked to make sure the other person is still alive. <laughs> And Wait. make sure they're breathing. Wait, did you do that with me? Yes. <laughs> yep. The audience should know that we dated several yeah. years ago. But like, yeah. did you do that? Yeah. Like, I just I, I didn't did... wake up. <laughs> did I? I don't remember that. No, I don't think you did. I'm pretty sneaky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you are pretty sneaky. Yeah, it is. It's just like I'm just I, I'll wake up in I, and it's the same thing like the bridge thing. Like I'm not like oh man, what if they? I'm like I am convinced that they are until I see them breathing. <laughs> And it's really fucked up. I don't know what that is. And it's probably, you know, because my mom was in and out of hospital as a kid. Probably, yeah, something like that. You don't want to lose the person while you're asleep because you're not aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, That makes sense. But that's interesting that you, like, get so so calm. I think most people are on your end, though, that they, like, prefer having some. Yeah, Mm -hmm. prefer being there with someone. Yeah, I'd rather be in a dark room with someone else than Mm -hmm. alone. I think... I'm the opposite because I don't know what they're going to do. I know what I'm going to do. Uh-huh. Like, I would rather... But humans I can understand better, at least to a point, mm. than I can understand the supernatural. So do you trust humans more than you trust God? Probably, yeah. Yeah? To be honest. So do you think... Um, because all Or not trust humans, but I just know what humans are going to do. They're more predictable. Yeah. Because they're not making the rules. They're right. just living by them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. They have to move. They have to physically move through space, for one thing. Mm-hmm. There's no rules on God or the supernatural of any sort. It's all, like, <laughs> Outback Steakhouse. All No rules, just right. <laughs> just right, but mostly wrong. Mm-hmm. But do you think um, God is all good or all powerful? Because you can't be both. I believe in the God is love, God is all good. Okay, so, but they don't have complete control over the universe then. Because bad right. things happen. Because um, bad things keep happening. Mm. And so there's no way... I mean, I mean, yes, there, it's hard to say is there a good God if bad things keep happening. But, mm. um, yeah. I mean, also, it depends on what you def- define as good and bad and, like, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. But, like, you know, there's I mean, death there's and there's reason behind everything, yeah. too. Yeah, I think... I don't know if I fully believe there's a reason behind everything. Mm. I certainly know you can make a situation that seems to not have a reason and a final one for it mm-hmm. and work and make it good but i yeah. don't know about like it being inherently yeah i think coincidence uh it can happen but in i i lean more towards fate and yeah. uh, the divine and reason hmm. for things more so than coincident, like oh that <laughs> that feather flew across Forrest Gump's little page mm-hmm. for no reason. No, it totally happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's a sign, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't freak out over signs. I don't depend on them or say that you look like the movie Serendipity. It's not like my <laughs> life is ruled by signs, but mm-hmm. uh, I do um, put weight into meeting someone who mm-hmm. seems to touch my soul in some way, and I'm like, okay, that's a person that. I should pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I, th- I don't know. Yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree with that because <clears throat> we're all interconnected because we're all the same. Right. Like we're all part. We're all part of the, my theory is that we're all part of the same living organism because we're all come. We, DNA is for humans are generally very similar mm-hmm. and um and there's definitely something else going on. You know, you can't like. I I have actually really like we're kind of side tangenting, but I have a really hard time. <laughs> So what else is new, Tristan? I know. <laughs> so ADHD, you say, yeah, it's fine. So um, I have a really hard time with God and faith and like, because I felt God. I have. Hmm. But I'm also manic depressive. So like when is like, it's just like any other thing. Like when is that a false positive? Right. And like, when I, uh, is God just a mental illness? Yeah. Often it seems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've always said that the the subtitle of the bible should be manic depressive jews yeah because it is just kind of like oh you guys oh you think you're really freaked out people yeah yeah you're uh, you you think you're the son of god and you have all these really great ideas and you're talking very quickly fascinating (laughs) 
Where's the Coke? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, what's interesting about, what's really fascinating about cocaine, <laughs> I've never done it. Neither have I. And I wouldn't because um, for someone who has my brain type, it slows me down. It's like Ritalin to a person with ADHD only on a higher dose. So everyone else would be euphoric and talking too quickly and I would be regular and I never want to see myself with that clear of a lens. <laughs> yeah, it'd be weird. It'd be really weird. Brains are fucking weird, man. Like they are. Just... Your brain especially, yeah. we've learned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really odd. It's well, that's odd what makes you interesting. Well, that's very kind of you. I think you're interesting. Well, thank you. I that's why I keep that. hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. I think you're interesting as well, obviously. Okay. I would have had you doing this. I would have been like, well, Emily's too boring for people listening to her. Let's put her on a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... We're, I think that's as good a place as any to kind of wrap up. But you're you're doing these shows, um, and this is coming out on one of the uh, Fridays that you have a show, and then you have two other shows, right? And are yes. So my next few shows are uh, Friday the twenty first, mm-hmm. which is the day after my birthday. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. Many happy returns, um, you old fart. I am. I am getting old. Uh, hardly. No. Uh, well, you never know. Uh, you never know. This could be old. This could be the end. <laughs> <laughs> bringing that right down. Yeah, I <laughs> I work at the Jekyll and Hyde Club now, and so whenever there's a birthday, I say, "Oh, congratulations for making it long. I'm so sorry you had to." I still survive. Yeah, it's like, but yeah. it's also age is arbitrary because you could die at any time. It's true. Yeah, this is the oldest I'll ever be. I've never been older. Think about that. You're never older than just now and now and now. <laughs> Weird, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> July 21st, which is next Friday, uh, at 9.30. Mm-hmm. Um, at the pit at or the, the pit, pit loft, loft? Which is the one on the east side, right? T- west side. West side. West Not what Tristan side. said, the Not, other one. Okay, let's back up. So all performances <laughs> take place at the pit loft. Where's that, Emily? West 29th Street. Between 6th and 7th. Okay. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh, I've had two performances already. Mm-hmm. They went very well. And everybody liked it. Mm-hmm. And I feel very confident in saying that it's a good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are three more shows. Friday the 21st at 9.30. Saturday the 22nd, which is the one my parents are coming to. Ooh. Ooh. At 6 p.m. How is Gary? Gary is Gary is good. Karen is well as well. Good. <laughs> and... <laughs> That's such a weird sentence. That was awesome. <laughs> so uh, you got you got Friday, Saturday, and then one Sunday's and then performance. Sunday the twenty third. Um, um, I think it's eight thirty. Okay, you think? <laughs> I'm gonna be there at eight. You show up when you want to. I'm pretty sure it's eight thirty. Okay. Um, the tickets are only seven dollars, and okay. it's a good show. It's only about forty five minutes tops. I tend to talk too quick, so it tends to be forty two minutes. <laughs> and That's fine. It's a good show. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fun show. Uh, the first half I've described it as being like a TED talk, mm-hmm. and then the second half uh, as characters, I talk to myself. I take on bodies and I do voices mm-hmm. and I there's some object work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, do you ever would you ever consider like touring it to fringe festivals? Because I think it could do well there. Yeah, I would want to. Well, yeah, yeah. I I think it would. Okay. It's just that it really requires an intimate space. Um, the The first space I did it in, there were only 15 people mm-hmm. in the room. Mm-hmm. Tiny, tiny place called mm-hmm. the Pit Attic. Mm-hmm. Um, that was on the east side. But this space, the Pit Loft, is much bigger. It's like a black box that seats mm-hmm. 60. Ooh. Yeah. Was that off-Broadway? Off-off-Broadway? I don't remember which number of seats off 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 anyway doesn't matter fuck off broadway there fuck we, off broadway um so it's a small it's yeah. a small space but it's a hell of a lot bigger than the attic mm-hmm. and there's lights and sound and music and there's a voiceover and there's projections Ooh. and it's a full-blown production mm-hmm. um but i have the audience on stage with me oh that's um, cool in the was it proscenium a mm-hmm. thrust as it were yeah. yes it's required because if people are not near me then i i'm too freaked out <laughs> to be honest it just feels to perform me mm-hmm. so having the audience on stage makes it very intimate so if i was able to perform it in a bigger space but still have the audience on stage then yeah great 
super mm-hmm. great. And I would probably want to expand it even further. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Most fringe festivals offer like a slight, slight selection of spaces, like right. small, medium, large. So you could definitely do that. Yeah. I think it would do well. And also like, here's the beauty. Like I found the beauty of like a one or two person show. Like you can just take it fucking anywhere. All yeah, that's true. To talk. I could take it home. Oh, I should take it home to Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah. The only problem is that um, in the top of the show, I make fun of Charlottesvillians. Oh, no. At one point. So maybe I shouldn't take it home. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, or they might love it. They might love it. Uh, Charlottesville people are very uh, progressive and liberal, so maybe they're they're open to that. Good. To being ridiculed. <laughs> to being ridiculed. You know, as progressives if are. I go if Twitter out, has taught us anything, <laughs> it's that progressives are okay with being Charlottesville, fun Charlottesville's very blue, so it's okay. fine. If I went further out into the suburbs, like where I grew up, then no. not so good. <laughs> that is fair. Well, thank you for doing this. Thanks it's, for having me. It's good catching up on this sort of thing, because I know we talked about it when we were <coughs> dating. Um, and then I hadn't talked to you much about it since. So it's good knowing that you're doing well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I feel um, my life is great. Good. Like, I'm c- constantly involved with the arts. And I, I mean, this is, this is cool. Mm. I'm, I'm doing my own show. I'm really proud of myself. Good. So. I'm glad. You should be. Yeah, thanks. It's a, it's a big deal. Thank you. Can I be down? Yeah. But you can try, you can try.